Ronananian. She was talking to me today. What are you going to talk about today on the show? And I said, gee, Mom, I, I kind of really haven't given it a lot of thought. She said, why don't you talk about getting your car ready for winter? And I went, but, Ma, we're still in the middle of summer. You know, summer's just winding down. But you can never be too prepared. And Mama used to say, take your time, young man. And Mama used to say, don't you rush to get older. And Mama used to say, take it in your stride. And Mama used to say, live your life now. The Car Doctor. 2007 down General Motors trucks and SUVs all suffer from steel lines. I definitely have my mechanic look those lines over and be sure they're not rusting and splitting or getting ready to split because that's a very common big problem on GM product right now. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at your service at 855-560-9900. Here to answer your questions, solve your problems, whatever you've got going on automotive-wise. Give me a call. Let's talk about it. There's more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. You'll find an affiliate list there. If you look over on the left side of the page, you will see things such as links to tunein.com with an affiliate list, uh, iheart.com, itunes.com, both uh, podcasters. You can subscribe to the Car Doctor via either one of those sites, iheart or itunes.com. If you need me during the week, this Car Doctor is on call 24-7, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Received an email, and actually it was a topic at the shop. A couple of people walked in, asked the questions, and uh, we started getting into it. And then I received a couple of emails, so I thought it would be timely to have this conversation now because we're we're in the middle of a gasoline issue, and not a bad way. Obviously, gas prices are getting cheaper around the country, and um, we're seeing a glut of oil on the market, or however they're however the market is changing. I don't want to say manipulated. But uh, however the market is changing, we're definitely seeing a drop in gasoline prices. And a lot of people are asking me, hey, can I go to this cheaper no-name brand of gasoline or can I stay with this cheaper no-name brand of gasoline? I've been using it all this time, and the car seems to run well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a valid question. The other thing, the other question that comes up and the other thing you have to be aware of is this time of year we're getting ready for the summer to winter blend changeover. The refineries are being changed over and we're going to start to see the different blends of fuel for the different seasons. And so that comes into play. The point I'm trying to make and my biggest concern when I was answering this for everybody is gasoline next to oil are, is one of the two most important things you can put into the vehicle. And the quality of the fuel is very, very important if you want longevity. Now, we see a lot of cases in the marketplace today where manufacturers that went for longer than what I consider normal oil drain intervals are now having consumption issues. Toyota, Honda, Subaru, Audi, Volkswagen, they've all got their problems, and those are just a few. And it still comes down to it's a piece of machinery, and it still needs some TLC, and it still needs common sense, and it still needs normal maintenance. And you may want to consider gasoline as part of that maintenance. And when someone asked me the other day, they were comparing brands, and the conversation was about Delta, Luke Oil, ExxonMobil, Shell, Sunoco. You know, what would I use? Well, right now, 
I think the best gasoline out there, and it has been for some time, is the stuff from Shell, the Shell V-Power Nitro Premium Gasoline. As a matter of fact, I did the research on it because it's uh, when you're running a hot rod, and you know we're talking about the hot rod this week, too, we're cruising. Um, somebody said, what kind of gas do you put in it? And I said, it's pretty much living right now on Shell V-Power Premium because it's got better cleaning agents in it. And it helps keep down up to 60 to 70 percent of the harmful tank deposits that are left behind on the intake valves. And to me, that's an issue, especially on a car that high performance car that is doing some cruising, stop and go, gets parked at a car show. It sits. It sits in the garage all week long. And that's important to me. That becomes a problem. And the point I was trying to make was that when you're dealing with gasoline, you can't cut corners, especially now. You've got no excuse. The price of gas is down to the point where I won't say it's affordable, but um, it sure is a whole lot easier to swallow in terms of uh, the daily budget. Good good gosh, I filled up the, the uh, little shop truck the other day. It cost me $22. The truck was on A. I remember when it, uh, a couple months ago it was $48, so it's cut in half as, as far as I'm concerned. So to answer the question directly, the biggest concern I have when you're dealing with gasoline is what additive, what packages are they putting into the fuel? Had breakfast this morning with a local gasoline retailer, a friend of mine, John. You've heard me talk about John from time to time. He's a fuel retailer here in North Jersey, and we had the conversation about this specifically, and he said right now Shell's got the best additive package out there in terms of what they're putting into all their grades of gasoline to help prevent carbon deposits, and you get the best carbon protection with their Shell V-Power Nitro Premium gasoline. So keep that in mind. You know, if you are what you eat, your car is what it burns. And right now, burning gasoline, the best bang for your buck in terms of protection, longevity, and vehicle reliability has to be Shell V-Power gasoline. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls, answer your questions, solve your problems, whatever you've got going on. This radio show exists for you. This hour, we're going to be giving away a $100 gift card, uh, courtesy of the folks at Advanced Auto Parts. So we're going to be doing that at some point this hour. But we are here to talk to you about your problems. Let's get over and do just that. Let's open the garage doors. Talk to Allison on line one, calling from Putnam Valley, New York. Allison, welcome, Hi, to, welcome to the car doctor. I'm very good. How can I help? Yes, um, I have a 2007 um, Nissan Sentra. And I've had a lot of issues over the past three weeks. And... Um, you know, it started out with just uh, replacing a, a, a tube, um, a vacuum tube. Then it, then the engine light comes on. Bring it to the dealer. They say PL340. They say it's a cam sensor, crank crankshaft sensor. Um, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention. And this car was hard to start, and it runs rough. Right. Is it? Is it? So it, this sort of is a combination of check engine light, running rough. Is it worse when it's cold than when it's hot, Allison? Um, was worse. It would. It wouldn't start when um, it would sit like overnight, and then once the car started running, it was um, after about twenty minutes or so, it would start run start to run rough. Okay. Um, brought it to the dealer. You know, again they said, you know, crank. They changed the crankshaft sensor and um, camshaft sensor, um, and then they said, oh, there's. Drunken engine, we recommend BGMOA, that'll help clean it up, everything runs fine. The next day, brought it, drove it to work, same darn thing happened again, brought it to another dealer, 
they say, okay, crankshaft sounds like... Can, can I guess at the mileage on this car? Oh, I'm sorry, it's 130,000. I was going to say 120,000 miles. Right. Okay. Um, um, and, and you know what I think is wrong with this car? What? I think this car has a bad head gasket. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what's real common on Sentras. They they go through head gaskets right around the yeah, between 115 and 140, 140,000 miles. And what typically happens is you start it. Sometimes it'll be a hard start cold. Sometimes it won't start. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will run rough. And then when it warms up, it's okay. And then when it gets real hot, it'll start to miss again. Now, how they got from camp crank correlation into misfires, I'd have to see what the actual codes were. And I don't, I don't want to bog you down with that. But what I'd like to do is give you a little bit of power in your corner. And, you know, we want to go back to them and say, listen. Well, uh, from, unfortunately, from, the, the story goes on from there. Oh, really? Yes, because then the, the second dealer took everything apart and said, oh, it's your timing chain. They quoted me a price and said, no, thank you very much. I'll bring it to my mechanic. Okay. So he just recently replaced the, the, the timing chain, everything. And it's still not fixed. It starts, but now it's still running rough. And and plus, he replaced an ignition coil. And it's like, uh, you know, now it's back at the back at my mechanic. I I don't know what to do now. Okay. It'll start now, but it still won't run. Right. It'll it'll start. Will it start and stall or start and run rough? It'll start and run rough. Does the check engine light ever flash? Yes. Okay. So the car has a misfire. Let's deal with what we've got. The car has a misfire going on. All right. And what that means is instead of hop, skip, and a jump, it's hop, skip, 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 hop, and a jump. It it stumbles as it runs. Now, that can be ignition-related. That can be mechanically a fault. That could be a fuel system fault. Uh, You know, it's hard to comment on everything that's been done because it sounds like everybody's hand's been in the pot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So before we go any further and I give you an answer, the biggest thing I want to tell you is in the future – when somebody says, hey, this is what's wrong with the car, the next sentence for you and everybody else has to be, will that solve my problem? Okay? Agreed? Okay. Agreed. Because, you know, this is like when you buy a house. When Whenever we have a conversation about buying a house, the, the next comment has to be, you can sign anything you want, but it has to be subject to attorney's review. Um, so, you know, this will fix your car. Will this, this is what your car needs, will this fix my car? That's the next question. All right. So do this, Allison. Stay on the line. Stay put right where you are. I've got to pull over and take a pause. I want to finish with you and get on to my other callers. I don't want to rush this. But um, stay put, and I'll be back right to finish it up. I'm running any in the car, doctor. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor hammering it along this afternoon. Let's get back to Allison, who's on line one, Putnam Valley, New York. Allison, you're still there. Yes, I am. Listen, here's here's the way I think you got to approach this. Um, first of all, wait and hear what the dealer has to say Monday or Tuesday whenever you get the phone call. And the question, when they say, hey, Allison, here's what's wrong with the car, your question to them is going to be what? Will that solve my problem? Right. Okay. And if they say, well, no... 
you know, then we're going to rethink this. Part of what you said to me that bothers me is the dealership said, you know, use this BG motor flush. I think you said that, correct? Correct. That's correct. And that's going to solve the problem for you. And in my experience, most of the flushes in a situation like this, that's like trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg. What I think is wrong with this car from my seat here, unless this is ignition coil, unless this just has a plain old bad spark plug, bad coil problem, something like that, I think you've got a CP head gasket. And I want to prove that it is or is not. So what I'd like your mechanic or the dealership to do is to check for it, and I want them to check for it cold. What I'd like somebody to do is take the vehicle, put it in a service bay, take the radiator cap off when the car is cold, pressurize the system, put a pressure tester on it, and they'll understand this. Basically, I want to put pressure on the system with a pressure tester up to the rating of the cap, which is typically 15 to 18 PSI, and let the car sit. Let it sit a couple hours. Let it sit overnight. Go to start it. If you start it, and right away it starts to miss and, and, and stutter and flash the light. We've got a cold misfire. Chances are we've got coolant in one of the cylinders. So then the, the next day, come back, repeat it, but don't start it. Pull the plugs out and look inside the cylinder with either a borescope or a flashlight mm-hmm. or just crank it over. Does coolant come out? If it does, that's your problem. And it's got nothing to do with timing chain, cam crank sensors, and everything else that they've sold you up to this point. Okay. But that would be that would be the way I would approach this because centers are pretty bulletproof. They yeah, they'll go through chains if they don't if they aren't, you know, have oil changes on a regular basis, but they usually come up with cam correlation fault codes. Not necessarily misfire faults. Sometimes miss, but not like you're describing it to me. Again, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But if this is a head gasket, that is the one surefire method, the one surefire way they're going to find it. Hey, Allison, I'll tell you what, stay on the line and uh, talk to Fast Harry. We're going to be sending you out the $100 gift card courtesy of the folks at Advanced Auto Parts. Advanced Auto Parts wants to remind you and all my listeners to replace brake hardware with every brake job. Be sure to insist on wherever quality brake hardware for certified fit and performance, and you can find wherever brake hardware at your local Advanced Auto Parts store. You can use the gift card for anything at the Advanced Auto Parts store line. It sounds like you might need some parts for this car in the future, and uh, we want to try and make your life a little bit easier for you. So um, is that okay if we if we do that for you today? I'm sure it is. Okay, great. Listen, you uh, you use that card well. Harry, please take good care of Allison and uh, do whatever you can for her. Let's get on over and talk to Walt on line two. Walter in Hawaii. How are you today, sir? Good, good. How about yourself? Oh, not bad. What's going on? How's my little PT Cruiser? Well, it it's confusing me. Okay. Uh, I had a no start, no crank problem, which was fixed with a new ignition uh, switch, not the key, but the switch and a uh, the actuator pin. Uh, after the, that fixed that problem, but then my radio would only work in the, with the key in the acceler the uh, ACC position, uh, not in the run position. I decided I changed the switch again with another never ever work switch. That seemed to fix that, but now I have no instrument cluster at all. Uh, it'll come back on if I disconnect the battery for 10 or 15 minutes, but it won't stay. It goes back off. But the right. radio works fine now. Okay. Everything else works fine. Here's what I want Here's what I want you to do, Walt. You're going to have to find a mechanic that has a scan tool capable of talking to all the modules on the car. You ever okay. play you ever play telephone as a kid? 
you know, where you sat in a room with seven people and you whispered one thing into one guy's ear and the next person and the next person, you went around in a circle and see what came yeah, out I'm the other way. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Chrysler's like a lot of cars of this generation. Everybody talks on a bus. Everybody talks on a same data feed. And if somebody talks out of turn, it confuses everybody else. You know, sit in a room and try and have an adult conversation. And we're all going to get to do this, or right, it's going to be the holiday soon. We're all going to be sitting around the uh, fireplace talking with relatives and, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. And we're going to see who oversteps everybody and who can't be heard and who gets to be heard too much. It almost describes your scenario. The reason that you disconnect the battery and the cluster comes back to life, that's what you're saying, Walt? Yes. That it's that it stops getting the garbage in. And it's it, it returns back looking for normal information. Got to remember, most of what you're looking at, it looks like a dashboard to you, but it's really a computer. And when mm-hmm. you dis, when you disconnect the battery, you're rebooting it in a sense. So if what I want someone to do is I want someone with a scan tool. A launch will work. A launch CRP, their 229 will work. And it'll go out and look at the data bus, and it will see which module's talking and which one isn't. First thing I want to do is I want to see if we plug in, is everybody talking? If there's 14 modules on that car, let it go out and poll, P-O-L-L, all the modules. Is everybody there? Is everybody awake? Is everybody trying to have a conversation? If there's supposed to be 14 on the line and there's only 13, somebody's asleep. Why are they asleep? Is it, you know, it's, and it's simple enough at that point, we should have power. We should have ground. If we've got power and ground, the module doesn't wake up. We unplug that particular module, not the battery. Unplug that particular module. We'll reboot it, and it comes back to life, and all of a sudden we can talk to it, and we've probably got a bad module, whatever that module is. And understand, on that particular car, depending upon how it's optioned out, the power window switch could be a module that could be causing the problem. That's why it's so important to have a scan tool that will let you look at everybody on the data line or everybody on the bus and who's talking and who's not. Does that make sense? Kind of. Um, and, and I know it's not the answer you're looking for, and I really appreciate the fact that you want to fix this, but it's gotten to the point where I think it's beyond what you can do short of just slapping and throwing parts at it. So at the very least, somebody in Hawaii has got to have a, a, a decent enough scan tool to go and look and see who's on the bus, who's talking, who's not, and you can kind of take it from there. Try that, Walter. If that doesn't work, shoot me another email. We'll talk again. Hey, coming up next, got any questions about motor oil? Want to know what it's really all about? Well, some changes coming on and uh, some of the improvements. We're going to talk to the folks at Pennzoil coming up next. I'm Ron Anning in the Car Doctor. Don't go away. Hey, hey, hey. welcome back. Ron Anning in the Car Doctor. You know, oil is probably the most talked about subject here on the Car Doctor, and we're always discussing just what it takes to make a great motor oil, and just how important motor oil is to your car. And it's timely this time of year as we're going into the fall and winter seasons and talking about the abuses that an automobile puts up with. And we thought we would bring to the table the folks from Pennzoil, Paul Bogers. He is the supervisor of a team of chemists and engineers down there at Shell Technology Center in Houston, and we're glad to have him with us here on The Car Doctor to talk motor oil. Paul, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. Yeah, thank you so much, Ron. Um, let's jump right into it. How long does it take to develop and test new products? You know, you've come out recently with Pennzoil Ultra Platinum, Pennzoil Platinum. People look at that and they say, ah, it's just motor oil. 
you know, they walk past it on the supermarket shelf. They don't appreciate what it is. What kind of effort went into bringing that product to market? Yeah, so um, before you decide what to put in that uh, that yellow or the nice silvery bottle, a lot of work, a lot of hard work goes into that. So uh, it's just anywhere between 18 months to about two years to really go from the idea of the motor oil through to something that's on the shelf. And that involves lab tests, you know, so we, do, we call benchtop tests. We do rig and engine tests, quite extensive amount of testing. But we wouldn't put an oil on the shelf unless we've got some real-life experience. So we have a number of taxi fleets and a number of law enforcement fleets in which we test the oil, experimental oils, and clock up anywhere between half a million and a million miles before we actually say the product, the product is now ready to go on the shelf. And, Paul, when you, when you make that oil, you've, you're making it with specifications in mind in the sense that the car companies have come to you and said, here's what our engines are, here's the parameters, make something to make this work. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the one thing to always look out for is what we call the API donut. So what is on the bottle that tells you that it meets the uh, American Petroleum Institute standards? And those are heavily negotiated standards between all of the automated car manufacturers. It meets all of the stringent requirements that they need to make their engines work. Okay. Now, you ready for this? This is, this is the tough question. This is really why I brought you on today. There's been a great deal of conversation. This has to be an ongoing all the time here on The Car Doctor. I get it in the shop all the time. Oil change intervals. What are Pennzoil's guidelines? How often? How soon? Yeah, really great question, Ron. And we, we get this uh, uh, quite a bit as well. You know, the, the short answer is follow your OEM recommendations, right? They have designed a, the engine and the vehicle uh, with, with a certain oil drain interval in mind. But you've got to also consider that those oil drain intervals are for typical operation, right? So you as a driver probably have a better handle on whether your driving conditions are typical, uh, whether there are extreme weather conditions to consider. And if you think about the job that an oil has to do, uh, besides reducing friction and, and preventing corrosion and wear, there's a whole lot of other functions, one of which is to carry away any of the combustion byproducts that accumulate in the engine and prevent the you know, formation of, of sludge and varnishes in the engine. So one of the few things you can really do about that is, is making sure that you get your oil drain interval right uh, to prevent that from, from accumulating in the engine. What about, you know, the conversation used to be that motor oil, conventional motor oil, starts with a base stock, 1965, and then additives and vitamins are put in it along the way. Is that still a true statement today? And then the last part of that question is those vitamins start to deplete somewhere around the 3,000, 3,500-mile mark. By 5,000, they're gone. Is that still a fair statement, still a good rule of thumb? Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good way of looking at it. So yeah, the the key building blocks is still, you know, the base stock, and I think we're very uh, excited about one of our you know innovations is having a synthetic base stock made out of natural gas. So that's your 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 heart and soul of your motor oil, and then your add you call it all the vitamins, we call them additive packages, really have specific functions, but they do deplete over time, and seen from a whole lot of real life tests that. Sometimes those additives are still in plenty supply, uh, even that after 5,000 miles in, in, uh, in, in certain operations. Uh, but there could be other cases where, you know, those, those additives just start losing their, uh, their bite, uh, if you like. So then replenishing your oil makes it, makes a, good, uh, it's a good idea. And, and the hard part is you don't know. You know, if a car started out in California and drove, 
to New York at a steady speed, at a steady temperature, 55 miles an hour as a constant, never cooled down, the oil would last longer. It's all highway miles. But when you're, you know, stop and go traffic and extreme temperatures, extreme cold, and all all the different parameters you can operate an automobile on, that changes that oil drain interval requirement, doesn't it? Absolutely. Spot on, Ron. So there's a uh, those extreme temperatures, either high temperatures where the engine's really kind of uh, uh, boiling, or you know, uh, you know, starting up your engine at very low temperatures and cranking it over the first time, where you know it's difficult for the for the oil to get to all those surfaces that need to be protected. Those are the times where you know you have the most uh, most likely impact of of the oil just not being able to protect your engine well enough. When is good enough? Good enough, Paul. You know, it's been said. As long as oil meets SAE, Society of Automotive Engineer Requirements, for the vehicle, that's good enough. Is that true? Is that false? Why? Yeah, I, we would, we would, you know, that's the starting point, right? That, that gets you to the starting line. So picking the right viscosity grade and, uh, is, is, uh, is really only the starting point. As, as I mentioned before, really look for that API donut on the bottle. That means it at least meets the minimum standards in the industry. But... Um, you know, for us, that's kind of like the starting line. You want to be able to go above and beyond what the minimum standards are to really deliver outstanding protection for your uh, for your engine. As, so, as, yeah, no, not not all motor oils are created equal. Well, I would think not. Sure. Now, now, as motor oils are not created equal, you've you've kept the evolution going at Pennzoil. You know, we we see an older fleet. So many cars now have one hundred and fifty thousand miles is not uncommon. So now there's high mileage oil, and we get questions on this as well. You, you recently released Pennzoil Platinum for high mileage vehicles. How's this different from the other high mileage oil? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really interesting, it's one of the faster growing categories of, uh, of motor oils that we sell. And we looked at that category and saying, hey, there is a gap there for a really high performance full synthetic offer. Uh, that also offers the uh, the other benefits that a typical high mileage uh, uh, formulation would uh, would offer, and and the the real crux of it is that you get all of the benefits that you would get from the other platinum range products, so the total protection, but the key aspect is you've got less oil burn off, right? So you, the engine starts, you know, when the mileage accumulates, it starts losing oil either through small leaks in the uh, you know the rubber seals. Or it starts burning off the oil, so lost through evaporation. Right. Um, so the new uh, platinum, you know, offering on high mileage really is the best of both worlds. With you know having a, an additive in there to prevent leaks, but also has the lowest volatility loss of any oil in the category. Wow. You know, and for those of you just tuning in, we're talking to Paul Bogers. He is the general manager of Lubricants Technology for Pennzoil U.S. Paul, tell you what, can you take a pause here? We're going to have to pull over and. And and just uh, take a couple of spots. Can you just sit tight? I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor, and we'll both be back right after this. Car Doctor, I'm talking to Paul Bogers. He's the general manager of Lubricants Technology for Pennzoil. And we're having a conversation here about motor oils and uh, 
the new products Pennzoil's got out there, Pennzoil Platinum for high mileage, among other things. Paul, when we pulled over and took the pause, um, sometimes I get questions about synthetic motor oil and the need to go to high mileage. Is there a comparison or is there a way that the listeners can look at that and make a decision on what to use and how? Yeah, so... Um you know, typically we say high mileage, you know, starts anywhere from, uh, you know, 20 to 25,000 miles on the, on the clock. But it really is what is best for your, for your vehicle. If you've got a performance vehicle, you've been running that vehicle on full synthetic motor oil from, uh, from the start of its life, you know, there's no reason to really switch away from that. Right. If you've got a vehicle where you're starting to uh, consider that change and you're a little bit worried, you might see a little puff of white smoke coming out of the, uh, the exhaust pipe occasionally, then a high mileage oil is is, uh, is the better choice, and and that's a good rule of thumb. And they can't get hurt in either case, whichever they're doing. Absolutely. So both oils would work fine uh, across the life of a, of an engine and life of a of a car. But I'd say if you're if you're switching out to from a, a conventional uh, to a a full synthetic, you know, in a later part of the life of a of a, of a vehicle. The high mileage is definitely the best choice. I, I want to talk real quick before I let you go, Paul, about Pure Plus technology. Pure Plus technology converts pure natural gas into the Pennzoil Platinum line of motor oils. In the old days, which in auto repair could have been last week, um, you know, it was it was there was a crude oil based stock, and now there's a natural gas based stock, which creates Pure Plus technology. What makes that so much better? And, and and talk a little bit about the synthetic oil side of that as well. Yeah, th- thanks so much, Ron. I think the the thing that really excites us as scientists and engineers is that we can actually build up the base stock from much smaller components. So if you think about the traditional way of re- refining base oil, you start off with whatever Mother Nature has given us in a big mix of all kinds of different shapes and sizes of molecules. And you refine that, and, and you, there's all kinds of processes to kind of like, you know, get to a, a good uh, a base stock. Um, but it's never going to be what you really wanted to design if you had the opportunity. So natural gas is, is the smallest um, hydrocarbon molecule, as we say, and we actually build up the base oil just the way we like it. And from there, that's where, that's where Pennzoil Pure Plus technology came from, correct? Exactly. So Pure Plus technology is, is synthesized from natural gas. We then turn that into a liquid. Um, so we turn it into a, a base oil. And then we, uh, we blend in you know, the very best uh, additives to combine with that base stock. And what we, we are looking for as scientists is what we call synergistic effects. So synergistic means you, know, you build, you put two things together, and the two are you know, more than, uh, uh, than you know, those components individually. So learning how to formulate with synthetic oils is uh, is a key part of that equation. You know, I always tell everybody, they say, what's a good oil? And I say, you've got to look at the company that engineers the oil and designs the oil. And that's why I say Pennzoil is the best. And I think you've proven that here today, Paul. Where, where can the listeners go for more information? So definitely uh, visit our site on Pennzoil.com. Uh, there's a whole raft of information there as well as uh, offers. We've also tried to really put more uh, educational material on there. So if you're interested in, you know, what makes up a great motor oil and, and uh, some of the motorsport activities that we're involved in, you can find a whole lot of information on pentol.com. Perfect. Hey, Paul, can I ask you real quick, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, I drive a Toyota Prius. Yeah, and how, um, how often do you change the oil? Uh, every 5,000 miles. And you're using a synthetic, I bet. 
Absolutely. It's yeah. only platinum that goes in it. <laughs> there you go. I just wanted to see, and I just wanted to let the listeners hear that. Um, and I, I didn't know the answer to that question before I asked it. I was taking a chance, but um, I had a feeling that that's the way it was going to be. You're a car guy, Paul. I know you're a scientist, but you're a car guy at heart, and uh, I appreciate what you do very, very much. You have yourself a good rest of the afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Ron. It's a real pleasure. You take good care. I'm Ron Anini in The Car Doctor, and we are back right after this. Welcome back. We're on meeting in the car, Doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. That's the phone number. Give us a call. By the way, uh, we're working on next week's show, so give us a call during the week if you've got a question. Leave a message. Fast Terry will call you back between Wednesday and Friday and uh, hook you up and get you in queue. Um, a couple of things in the news. A couple of comments finishing up um, from this week's show, last week's show. Uh, last week we had a call. I believe it was Idaho or Iowa. The gentleman with the Kia that wanted to take it into the dealership and they were going to undercoat the car. And then it was $80. I got it as $80 per wheel to inspect the brakes. My comment to him was, I wanted to see the letter from Kia. Could he email it to me? And he did. And the letter from Kia talks specifically about undercoating and corrosion issues. Does not really mention anything about brakes per wheel, anything that he was referring to. And I've advised him accordingly by email. Received an email from someone that listened to the show, and they said, gee, you know, you've got to stop trying to be politically correct. I think you let the guy off easy. You should have just blasted the dealer for the cheap undercoat that wouldn't work and for the ripoff of $80 for brake inspection. I don't think that was the point. I think the point was, and you've always got to look at something if you're going to rebut it, from the perspective of what are the facts? What are we trying to accomplish, and what are we really saying? All right. So whenever you walk into your repair shop, dealership, independent, chain store, whatever, why do I need this? Will this solve my problem? And is this being affected on other cars as well? Those are the thoughts that should be going through your mind. So always understand that and you can deal with anything, whether it be trying to fix the car, the furnace, the roof, anything you've got to deal with in life. You've always got to have a diagnostic approach. Now for the fun stuff. Anybody see the news this week? I love this headline. Volkswagen, my favorite car company, could face $18 billion in penalties from the EPA. This is off of Reuters Business News. Volkswagen faces penalties up to $18 billion after being accused of designing software for diesel cars that deceive regulators measuring toxic emissions, the U.S. EPA said on Friday. Put simply, this is a direct quote from Cynthia Giles, who is an enforcement officer at the EPA, Put simply, these cars contain software that turns off emission controls when driving normally and turns them on when the car is undergoing an emissions test. Volkswagen can face civil penalties of $37,500 for each vehicle not in compliance with federal clean air rules. There are 482,000 four-cylinder VW and Audi diesel cars sold since 2008 involved in the allegations. If each car involved is found to be in noncompliance, I want to read this part twice. If each car involved is found to be in noncompliance, the penalty could be $18 billion, that's with a B, dollars, the EPA confirmed on the conference call they were on. Uh, 
A U.S. Volkswagen spokesperson said the company is cooperating with the investigation. We're unable to comment further at this time. Yeah, no kidding. So once again, it's all about engineering. And I know I'm going to get a ton of hate mail. And you know what? I really don't care. All right. It's like it is what it is. I keep saying it over and over again. They build a heck of an engine. They're tough to deal with. They're tough to work on. And sometimes they over-engineer themselves into a corner. Here they go. And it's only going to cost them $18 billion to get out of that corner. And you wonder if they will. I'm sure they'll barter it down. Hey, hats off to the EPA for doing their job. And uh, BW, we all know what it stands for. Virtually worthless. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. It has been an absolute blast to be with you these past two hours. We've had a great time. I hope you got something out of it. I know I did. And I look forward to next week's show. Till then, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!